have Paul Tran, founder CEO of Manscaped. And uh, I don't usually panic. Linzonian. In uh, Norway, what do they what do they call testicles? What is the what is the word? Testicle. <laughs> and what about balls? Bullet. Oh. And uh, well, anyways, today's show <laughs> is all about balls and testicles. And uh, really, one of the favorite things I get to talk about mine have uh, mostly disappeared. I'm 57, and I spend about an hour a day looking for them. In, Thank you for uh, sharing, Howard. <laughs> And then when I do find them, I'm just so happy that I've uh, I've shaved them. Do you know where I'm going with this? No, I have no idea. I'm not sure I want to know. Well, they're not a sponsor, but I have the CEO of my friend Paul Tran on, on the show today who says he's panicked about nothing, which is the opposite of me. I panicked twice on Pretty the way over everything. here. <laughs> I panicked twice on the way over here. Um, and so no one knows more about, well, my own ball. I know a lot about my own balls. But no one, no one probably knows more about balls than uh, Paul Trent. And what a fantastic marketer! I mean, Knut, you're a fan just because of the ads and the campaigns and and the boldness to, uh, to go where no man has uh, shaved before. Um, I find the ads very ballsy. <laughs> and uh, young, uh, young, uh, whatever we call this kid, Riley. Some days, Ethan. Some days, Ethan. Uh, do you manscape? I do. And is it something that your girlfriend appreciates? I, I believe so. Hmm. All righty. And did you buy Manscaped for yourself or was it bought for you? Bought it for myself. You bought it for yourself. Well, I, want, I have a lot of questions for Paul Tran about uh, how Manscaped gets uh, thought about, how much fun it is, uh, who has the best job at Manscaped. Uh, I, I don't think the cleanup crew at Manscaped HQ has uh, <laughs> anything. I mean, it's not good there. They probably have a lot of blowers, you know, like uh, like uh, like 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 in the fall in the in the Northeast, where everybody just blows leaves. I think that's how people come through Manscaped. Yeah, the I think they're the called day. leaf blowers. <laughs> oh, thank you, Canute. You use ChatGPT to help me there. Yes, it is. The uh, very Always. quick of you. Anyways, a um, little bit about Paul. He is the founder CEO, and I would say visionary behind Manscaped. He was born in Vietnam. Uh, he grew up with, uh, very little, but, uh, huge heart, big outlook on life. Uh, some funny stories from the early days. He probably remembers in San Diego, he used to, uh, pitch me, uh, a lot of ideas I passed on. And, uh, when he pitched me Manscaped, I, uh, giggled as a, as a schoolboy would too. <laughs> yep. And except I was in my uh, early 50s. So I giggled as an old man would do, which means I wet my pants a little bit. And, uh, oh, please. <laughs> uh, he hasn't come up with a powder yet for that. Uh, the old drizzles, as they call them. And I don't even know. Is that a problem? Or did I make that up? Or is that just me? Uh, that could be just <laughs> it's a you. new product idea. I'm older than you, but I don't know. Hey, have intern, problem. remind me about that, Ethan. Yep. I'm so scared to take Ethan anywhere now because he'll just roll on me at the first chance he gets. No doubt. I've already gotten two calls 
from people with Rolls Royces in this town uh, looking for me. Anyways, luck as luck would have it, Paul uh, stayed in touch with me and uh, pitched me Manscaped. I, uh, and here we are. A little bit of luck and uh, all Paul's work. And team, and it's been, I don't know, 2016, I think he starts with seven years. Uh huh. Mm hmm. And there's been a lot of innovation. So I want to go back a little bit, but mostly look look for it because it is the, the tagline is, uh, I believe, uh, below the belt grooming. All right. And uh, talk a little bit about marketing because I think, as we, as I've been saying for months here, as the dominance of, of Apple and Google have laid to bear with Facebook, um, it's not so easy to just go online and do marketing. Uh, you have to have a lot of uh, a lot of skills across multiple sectors, and so they've done this with sponsors and TV ads and YouTube ads and uh, podcast ads. So, uh, want to just uh, dig in a little bit there. So, uh, do we have Paul? Yes, we do. All right, let's dial him up. He's so excited. I think he just he didn't even wait for us to call. <laughs> hey, Howard. Paul. What is up, my man? How are you? Good. What is the size of the company today? We're a little more than 200, 215. So small company. Are there three metrics you can share that matter to you today? Well, today we measure consumer sentiment, brand awareness, and of course, revenue and profit. And is it, no, but I mean, is there anything per employee or you, you don't have that kind of like dig down it's just like cause it seems like a very small company for a very large number well we're we're not a services company we're a products company right so um but fortunately you know we're while glad the employees and the company's asleep we're still making money good point do you remember when when manscaped came to you and when you bought the domain did you know right away did i know that it was going to be the successful no i i but did you know right away when you bought the domain is like i'm on to something um no no, we were we were testing many different uh, ideas and, and and brands. We knew that the, the domain was pretty was pretty special. I I, I chased that myself and negotiated that. And, uh, we knew that that's what that's the brand that we wanted to you know, go to market with. Because uh, I, I think even to today, you know, we define this category of of, of products, and we've expanded is way beyond the growing. Everyone thinks of Manscaped. Is this the, the the white space that we've captured, but we've we expanded way beyond it. It's become it's become like a a term in pop culture. I was watching, you know, who, um, Hassan Minhaj is. He's, uh, his his Netflix special, maybe one of the best ever. Yeah, his recent one. And in in his Netflix special, he tells this great story about um, you know having having his daughter, how difficult it was for he and his wife to have his daughter, and he talks about manscaping, and it's he uses that term. Yeah, so we've we've become this this term that's synonymous with uh, with just grooming, and it's and I find that really interesting. And what's amazing about this, and obviously you must get, uh, you know, you have more knowledge than me. But what's amazing to me about this is how little, and I used to say like you know every centimeter of a woman's body is worth a billion dollars, and then you get to a man's body and it's like Gillette, take it or leave it. <laughs> um, have you seen any change? Obviously, the competitors are coming into the space, so you've got to deal with this every day. Are you seeing finally? Like now, I know men use makeup now, and obviously they manscape and then they're grooming and they're using all kinds of products. Is it uh, 
was it just a neglect or is it was there a trigger point or like what do you think just kind of happened well i think i think we did a lot of things right it, it wasn't just that there was white space that that definitely helped um but that wasn't the only thing that led to our success right? and and we were very fortunate that we we implemented these things uh very early on uh you know we we knew what we felt or we just had a culture of innovation of design of creating beautiful things so it was it was really important to us from day one to make sure that our products are extremely well engineered uh like we over engineered and that's why they're they're a premium you know we're 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 not the we're not the cheapest products out there uh but we we build products to last and and you know a, a lot of a lot of hardware companies they built in um obsolescence you know they, they build in hey this thing's got to break in, in in two years we don't think that way uh and, and and mainly because we're not just a hardware player we sell shampoos deodorants body washes body sprays um and we're going to be coming out with a lot of basic products for skincare so where we 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 want to build your trust when you purchase the hardware product because we 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 want we want you to use our consumable products so these hardware companies they built in obsolescence so if their their products are made to break after two years so you can buy a new one but for us we don't think like that we think about the entire routine and we want you to get into our shampoo or deodorants because then now you're a customer every month so we're very fortunate that we're um that we have that kind of business model uh and 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 we think about the the holistically through that entire group routine um, but we'll go back to go back to your your question, Howard. How do we how do we get started and um, and outpace our, our some of our competitors uh, or, or the incumbents? Um, because we we really focus on on building amazing products that are over engineered and look beautiful. So when you tack that on with our our sense of humor and authenticity, um, that's that's kind of I don't know. Maybe that's that. That's kind of the the secret sauce that, that I don't think anybody else is able to replicate. And you you come in the door with something that breaks down the humor, breaks down the barriers. I would dare say that five years ago, uh, guys weren't comfortable talking about shaving the groin, shaving the balls. It was it was a taboo topic, and we use humor to break down that barrier. And now it's it's easy to talk about. It's not a hard conversation to bring up. We've normalized it. Well, in 2017, I know you remember because you came to present at our event, maybe 2018. I'm sure you remember because of the comments. But so, Kanuti, you're probably there. I was there. You you were 11. Paul and I talked. Yeah. You know, the story was that when we were pitch Manscaped, you know, I went to my son and I said, hey, do you Manscaped? And he lied. You know, we found out there's two things kids lie about. You know, do they shave their balls and money? And I don't know, Paul, if you knew that. Like, you know, I asked all my nephews and everybody said they don't do it, right? So there was that even the kids that were doing it weren't telling you. So all my, like, surface intelligence said, mm, you know, it's a great name, great idea. But, you know, if, if the core audience isn't going to do it. But luckily, I am a manscaper even in my 50s at the time, and I did it. What, what was it about kids that didn't—now uh, they're proud of it, but what was the switch? I think the, I think it was the uncertainty, because um, they didn't know 
if, if they'll be accepted, right? You're kind of nervous, like, am I the only one doing it? And, and yeah. am I, I going to look like a weirdo because I'm the only one doing it? So I don't want to admit to it. But then we blew that right out of, you know, right out of the park. We just said, you know, we know you, you're doing it. And let's just talk about it. <laughs> let's, let's make a joke out of it. Let's, let's, let's just normalize it. And that's exactly what we did. Yeah. And, and so when did you know? Was there like a moment in time where you just like knew that it was, you know, a rocket ship? Um, I, re- I remember being on stage at, at Palooza and talking about it. Um, and I, I remember enjoying it, um, enjoying being on stage because it was, it was really funny. I remember I put up a deck that, that, <laughs> yeah. that showed that we were going to grow to like 250 million in, in revenue in this, in this many years. And it was kind of like people were giggling in, in, in the, in the audience. Yeah. People thought I was, you were a plant and then it was just Howard up to his old tricks. It was like a fake pitch. Yeah. And, and it was, it was, it was funny because then now I look back and we kind of blew that plan out of the park and we went from three to nearly 300 million in 36 months. Um, that's three years and that to, to grow at that speed. Um, it was fun. It was, uh, I guess I knew when um, when we kept selling out because in this space, being being an entrepreneur, you know, with prior businesses, with prior successes and failures, you're you're always thinking, where is where is the top? You know, where, when am I gonna saturate this market? Because everyone talks a big talk about the TAM being huge, but nobody really knows, right? No one knows, you know. And and we were just like, oh man, is this the top? And nope, let's keep, is this the top? Uh, nope. <laughs> yeah. And so then we started counting balls, you know, it's like, well, how many balls are out there? And we, when we realized there's a, there's a lot of balls out there and they, and they don't have trimmers. They don't have trimmers. And you've been very patient because I used to come to you year three and go, what about women? And you were like, man, there's so much, you know, that whole thing about men, you know, and how underserved it is. So, so you've been very, you must get pitched a thousand ideas from investors and friends and family. How have you been able to stay this focus? What's the trick? I think, I think it comes down to authenticity. And I think, um, you know, learning how to build a brand, an enduring brand, one of the key traits is authenticity. You can't sell out an audience, you know, and I, when we, and we just feel like if we start, focusing on women where we're kind of selling out to men and 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 luckily we don't have to there are companies out there that have launched women's brands just because they they needed that larger addressable market you know we luckily we're we're doing something right uh i i know exactly what we're doing right but i just don't want to talk about it uh um, yeah where we're, we're doing the right things that resonate with with men and i think we have to be loyal to men and we have this um internally you know this headline that we uh it, it is it's pretty simple right? if, if look good feel good do good and so our mm. our mission we, we haven't talked about it very much because okay? i i don't jump on podcasts very often um right. so our mission is to redefine masculinity uh by helping men look good feel good and do good and so we, we have to stick to that mission it's a lot of the marketing done in-house. Yeah. Yes. And packaging too. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's, that's probably key to it. So how big is the team or is it just you and a few people? The marketing team, when we do all the media buying in-house, um, we've got some really fun stuff that, that we've done and you, you might've seen. 
Um, all, all, all that is done in house. The marketing team is about 30 people. You know, we, we shoot our red cameras all kind of geeks like that. You know, we, 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 we love shooting ourselves and do post-production with have a team in Brazil. Uh, there's a, an amazingly talented team in Brazil that, that does post editing of our commercials because now we operate in 39 countries. So it's like when you launch a content piece, um, it's not just in the U.S., you know, and, and uh, Germany is very different. You know, France is very different. Um, and, you know, we don't, we don't talk about that much. But it, it gets more challenging as, as, as we scale. It's more fun, but it's also more challenging to deploy media and, and maintain media efficiency in 39 countries. And is Manscaped universal? Like, so in France, do they say Manscaped? They do. They do. In Germany, what do they say? Uh, I can't say hair, I, hair manscape. I can't say it with a German accent, but it's it's uh, they pronounce it man, they manscape also. It doesn't have the same meaning, um, but a lot of Germans do speak English. They they they, they understand the reference, um, but it, but all of our products have French in them. The ones in Germany has has German in them, uh, so it's uh, you know, and the ones in both Canada has. Uh, it's all these different languages because Canadians are just so difficult. The products have to have like all these different languages. Yeah. yeah that's why we're a booming uh, nation. So wait a minute. So what outside of the U.S., what would be number one country for you? Is it just what you would think would be Germany and then like oh, somewhere I, in South America? Um, no. U.K. is huge for us. Australia, Canada, uh, New Zealand, uh, Germany, France. But the humor, in, and they don't have the same humor. And do they care as much? Like, does the brand and the authenticity transfer over there? Or is it just about product? Like, they don't have the same sense of humor, I wouldn't think. Well, Germans have definitely have a very different sense of humor. But uh, Brits in, in UK is, is, is similar. Australians are similar. Canadians are similar. Uh, it, it's, yeah, it's, when you have a different language, like um, Germans, the, the, the humor is much drier. You know, it's uh, Right. It's uh, much more sarcastic, and we find it challenging. But at the end of the day, Howard, what we realize is every man out there is a little kid at heart. You know, when you talk about balls and farts, they they all giggle. Yes. Uh, Not me. I'm I'm very serious here, and I take offense to that personally. (laughs) So for me, one of the favorite campaigns, and obviously I don't get to talk to you too often anymore, but one of my favorite campaigns went, and it probably cost a dollar, was you had old people reading comments. I don't know whose idea this was, and if it was yours, great. I just, sometimes I wish, I probably should just come out there and just spend a week and just giggle in, in marketing meetings, but whoever came up with it where, like, grandparents were reading the reviews from people, and it was on YouTube, that was phenomenal. Yeah, we have an amazing marketing team. They're, they're, just, they're just so, so creative. Our social team is really creative also. That campaign was actually quite a long time ago. That was two, three years ago. Um, but that was that was hilarious. Just having old older people, um, you know, exposed to this. And, and the interesting thing that is now, Howard, is our demographics have have really expanded. Right. You know, if we, when we first started, it was eighteen to thirty five, and our customer base above thirty five now have, have grown tremendously. So we're seeing amazing adoption on the older spectrum. Well, it's also the trick is you've got women to buy it for men, right? You can't go wrong as a woman buying this, whereas if a guy goes to buy perfume or shampoo or any kind of cosmetic for a woman, that's taboo. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, we, we see a, 
a lot of women gifting it to their boyfriends, their husbands, their fiancés. Uh, we're seeing the market grow in Griezmann's as being gifts for, for weddings. Uh, and of course, that's great because you, st you end up buying like 10 or 12 at the same time for all your brooms as, as gifts. Um, so that, that, that part of the market is growing pretty well. Now, keep in mind though that we're talking about our core product, which is our, our lawnmower series of products, uh, which makes it really safe for you. <laughs> um, yeah. But we you know we've grown way beyond that. If, if, if you if you go look at everything else that that, that we've expanded into, uh, it's you start realizing that the Manscaped brand is. I, I don't know. I'm I'm a little concerned that in five years, if people will still remember us as the uh, as the growing company, and this is really interesting. And you look at our and our, our icon, and I, I swear, I think in in twenty thirty years there will be a marketing class on the Manscaped icon. Because I, I don't think that you're going to remember Manscaped as the company that started in the growing and dominated male growing care. I think you're going to think of Manscaped as just the premier male hygiene and self-care company. Um, but if you look at our icon, it's an upside-down heart. If you analyze it and really look into it, it's actually wings in a halo protecting balls. Uh, and not many, not many people actually catch that. And the crazy thing is, there have been probably four people that have wrote into support, our, our support, and, and posted on our Facebook of them tattooing videos and pictures of them tattooing our icon on, on their body, which I, I find huh. absolutely amazing. It started out as below the belt. So when did you finally, you know, that's, when did you finally say, okay, we, we need to move above the belt? Well, the first thing was that when we when we were below the belt, we were you know we, we also had all of the consumables. So we had a crop reviver, which is a a, a spray for crop preserver, which is a uh, a first of its kind ball deodorant that applies on as a liquid, which dries as a powder, <laughs> so it keeps your that area really dry. And we've sold millions of of these products, uh, and it keeps it fresh, dry, and, and smelling good. You know so. Keep in mind that we, we've always been a routine business. That's how we look at the business. That's how we market it to our customers. Mm -hmm. You buy the routine. So we, we knew that we, we wanted to expand. Like this, this year, we just launched our Beard Hedger, and that's been a, a phenomenal product. Um, and, and the market has really gravitated towards it. Uh, it's an amazing beard trimmer, but it comes with everything else, everything that you need. It comes with a wooden comb, scissors. You know, it, it comes with a beard oil beard cleanser, everything that you can, beard conditioner, if that's how we think, that's how we engineer, that's how we design products from it. And um, I think that's how we find success. Well, with the, with the beard, you ship it with everything, but then you have to still get in front of all the other products and the noise. So was it with, like, is it the combination of that with the marketing, like the John Daly thing or who, how did you launch the beard thing? It was it with John Daly? It was with Pete Davidson and John Daly. And Pete, he doesn't have a beard, though. He doesn't have a beard. So that's why we made us, and we, we the, I credit our, our marketing team for all of this. It's, it's, it's phenomenal. He doesn't have a beard. So we, how are we going to use Pete? And Pete's an amazing actor, uh, amazing comedian. And uh, we work together on this. And how do we do this? So we actually brought in a Pete Davidson, another Pete Davidson. Uh, and this guy had a beard. And so we shot a commercial in which, because Pete can't grow a beard, we had to bring in a different Pete Davidson. 
can't grow a beard. <laughs> and John Taylor, how do you how do you come up with him? Because you're not a golf, but or did you know who he was, or did someone come to you? You know, we have a a, a phenomenal. It's, it's not only really sponsorships, but it's partnerships team, and that's you know that's where we work with the UFC, with the Niners, NASCAR, and all that, and and a lot of these these sports celebrities. That that team really gravitated to John Daly. I think he was pretty iconic in the golf scene. And we, we wanted to work with him and his son. His son is a big up and comer. So we thought hey, this is this he has a he has a glorious white beard. Yeah. This is the right fit. When you think about John Daly, you think about booze and hard living, but it's just he doesn't seem to offend anybody for some reason. Maybe he does. I just I think of John Daly and I just think of like a superstar freak athlete who can torture himself and still hit a golf ball like it. So, so maybe just the torture he inflicts on himself makes him harmless uh, to others. So I guess you are taking risks there. Same with Pete Davidson. Yeah, I, 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 I'm, I'm glad you, you caught that, brought that up. We don't see it as that. That's kind of the brand that we want to be. So our, our mission, you know, is to, to help men look good, feel good, and do good. And, th- and that, that kind of goes against the social norms of you got to be built with a six-pack chiseled jaw you know, and, and look like a god, and that's masculinity is, and that's what everyone should aspire to be. That's not us. And we, we want you to be comfortable in your own skin, and we want you to feel good about yourself, and uh, that's kind of how we see the brand. So when you see us working with people, like we work with Rob Gronkowski, who is chiseled, you know, six pack and looks great. But we also work with Pete. Pete's amazing, and I'm close enough with him. So he's not the the most handsome, you know, handsome guy, but he's he's a sort of amazing personality. He's really kind. Um, you don't have to be looking like a god to uh, you know to be confident. And at the end of the day, that's what we want our customers feel, and that's why you see John Daly also. And if you're omni-channel, what is it different for every product, or what is the channel that that has worked best for you? So we we are omni-channel. We're still we're fairly large on on D to C. The last number that we quoted uh, was we have over a million active paying subscribers, and those guys are loyal because we create um, amazing products. Um, and D to C is still our largest channel. We can be found on Amazon at Target. We'll be expanding to um, all the major retailers, and you can think of domestically and internationally in the coming years are pretty close here. Um, so we have three primary channels, and that's D2C, uh, Amazon, and we, which we call Marketplace, and, mm-hmm. and what's retail. And the hardest being retail, just because of packaging costs, net never, supply chain, but it's just, I think in today's day and age, you got to be in all three. You know, from day one, we we knew we wanted to be a golf. I know. I remember you like we went early Target. I remember introducing you to some oh, people. Oh yeah. Like, uh, you know, there were there were a lot of DC brands that 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 I advised that came to me. Like, oh, we're gonna stick to D to C. Yeah. You're, you're gonna get crushed. D to C is hot right now. And the whole digitally native, vertically integrated, and all that. That's like now that that sounds great, but you you're gonna want to be where where your customers are at, and and that's that's gonna be retail. And so through the pandemic. We, we made sure that all our partners, our retail partners, were fully stocked, even when they didn't have enough foot traffic. People would stay at home. And so we cultivated a really close relationship with all our retail partners that now when people are returning back to retail, 
All right. So now you go to above the belt. You go to uh, lotions and potions. I don't know what you call it. Is it liquid? Yeah, consumable products. Consumable products. Much more personal than just, say, grab a beer trimmer or, or a manscape with the full package of goods. Um, how much more do you have to think about that? Because scents and sensitivity to skin and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, we, you know, luckily we've been doing that for a long time. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not something new that we got into. I mean, from day one, we started building expertise in-house, R&D research uh, to formulate those products. And we, and we cultivated great relationships with manufacturers that, that can create those products for us. Um, so expanding into those products wasn't difficult. To, to make really unique products is challenging, but a lot of the stuff on the, on the market is the same old shit. Mm-hmm. You know, a shampoo is very similar. We didn't want to be like that. We wanted to make a really high quality shampoo and high quality deodorant and all, all natural deodorant, right? And that costs a little more. And, you know, luckily our brand is premium so we can deliver a really high quality product. And one of our thesis is that men are ready to pay for a higher quality product. And that's that's exactly what we're, exactly what we're seeing. In the, in the self-care space, men's hygiene and self-care is one of the fastest growing space. If you go and look at Target, even Walmart, mm-hmm. you're going to see that Walmart and Target, they're, they're redoing their store. So they're actually moving and reconfiguring their store to have what Target calls it a men's world section. It occupies like four aisles and it's all men's products. And so you can see how fast that space is growing. Men, men are much more aware of their hygiene behavior now uh, than the last decade. So that's interesting. So who keeps you up in there? Who's the enemy? Do you feel you have to have an enemy or is there just enough white space that you can be uh, not caring about that? You know, I try not to think about our competitors. Um, I, I would say that our enemies are, is ourself. We need to beat ourselves. Um, we need to set really ambitious goals. We need to deliver really high quality products and satisfy our customers, like over-satisfy our customers, meet their expectations. And that's what we strive for. And I think if we keep that as the North Star, we'll, we'll continue to be successful. And what is the thing that you're most excited about right now? Um, the most exciting thing right now, all the products that we have in the roadmap. And we've got some really cool products that we've been developing for a while um, that we're getting ready to launch. I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about that. Um, you, you can't tease with anything here? Well, I, I can say that, you know, if you look at the progression of, of our lawnmower, we went from lawnmower one, two, three, four. Um, so you can infer that there will be another one. Um, <laughs> this and, and, one and, will also brush my teeth? <laughs> and, and wash your balls. Oh, uh, well, I mean, so so let's talk about failure, right? Like you've had a million ideas. And the first idea you came to me with was Manscaped. I took it to Tom and Gary. We were like, eh, tell, tell, uh, tell Paul to come back with a bigger idea. So we send you packing and uh, like idiots that we are. And you come back to us with, uh, you came back to us with the perfume, you know, kind of like Pandora of perfume. Did you believe in that idea or were you just like, whose fault is that? Is that both of our fault that we could get you off your mark so early and that we were so stupid like let, let's look back at that and we're like what were the mistakes because you know manscape started out as manscape you bought the domain you were working on it you came to me i said i don't know 
And well, I loved it, but Gary and Tom were like, I don't know, this is like a big enough idea. And I'm like, guys, I manscaped. Then we go to my son and all my nephews, and no one says they do it. And then we come back to you, you come back to us with perfume. Like, are you over that? Are you still mad at us? No, no. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> no, of course but not. Think I, about I, it. We were both, we both kind of got off track there. Yeah. You know, when I think about that, I, I, I think about how success is never a street line. You know, it's very windy, has multiple ups and downs. Um, and um, the ability to navigate that, I think, defines a, a successful entrepreneur. And I had to learn that. And you got to test ideas and you got you to gotta test quickly. You got to test all the time. And you got to take care of your investors. You know, so I think it's, it's, it's these principles that, uh, and, and I, I have a bunch of them. And, and one day I'll, I'll, I'll pull out the list and I'll actually read them. But that, that I have these principles that I think about on what makes uh, what makes a, a successful entrepreneur. Yeah, I mean, you we gave it our best, and you came to me. We were having lunch. I just remember the lunch because it was just like you were so upset. Like, oh, I think we're going to be out of money. Whiff isn't working, and you said, "But you know, this manscape is taking off." And I said, "Why are we having lunch? Get back to manscape." And um, is that something that you? kind of new from the beginning or is it just something that like manscape because it, it wasn't like right from the beginning that manscape took off there's it was a headache like that's a hardware product and you're dealing with china so it wasn't like a straight line yeah oh well we remember at that time we we had two other entities because there was that, like a, a skin there was like yeah, a, a skincare line there was yeah there was there was other there were other projects that we were we were testing hypothesizing on and uh they were all pretty successful, and when you when you count first year success, you know when in, in the startup space, if, if you're if you're doing two or three million the first year in revenue, uh, without any capital raise, you're you're uh, you you could call that to be pretty successful in the early years. Flash forward today, are you built on Shopify? We still use Shopify. We started out on Shopify. We still we still use Shopify as as a part of, of our of our DTC infrastructure, but we're we're not on Shopify. We we, we come with what's called headless. Mm-hmm. So we um, it's called it's, it's like edge computing where we load up all of our web, websites. We we render it in HTML. We cache it on edge server so it loads really fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, so so our our site is is not loaded on Shopify. We we we've customized the heck out of our checkout page and, and all of that. So um, we're, we're not on Shopify. We still use Shopify as a, as a part of the business. And what have we learned about DTC? So there was this big boom, you know, obviously Shopify and everybody, you know, what, what was it just an herb gone wrong? Or do people really think they knew something about branding? Like, or did you see this coming, this kind of crash? Or is, it, is DTC just still beginning? I, I think that the smart companies, uh, I, I think you're still going to have to start on the on DTC, especially in this consumer space, mm-hmm. because it's the only way for you to really build a brand and tell your story. Yeah, and it allows, and like you said, it allows you to test quickly. Mm-hmm. So many but telling so many, story is key, and, be, and if you want to be authentic and be funny, you can't do it at the store level. You'll, you'll get kicked out. Like exactly. so, you have to. Yeah, yeah. Even in, in a finance product, it, it's. Then you actually want to get to a consumer using it. You, you got to tell your story. What, what's, what makes you better than others? Yeah. Are we at the beginning of DTC then? And this was just kind of like, 
you know, the crash after the first and second inning? I don't think we're at the beginning. I, I think D to C is, is starting to mature. I mean, the beginning was when you saw like Magento and the customization and you really, it was difficult to put up a, a you know, a, an e-commerce store. And that I would categorize as, as the beginning. Now it's much more streamlined. You're going to use Shopify and you use Canva. It's so easy to put up a, an e-commerce store. Now, the, the next question is how are you going to actually get it to scale and be successful? Right. Because retail is probably as hard and complicated as it's ever been. Then you throw in international languages and packaging and returns and accounting. So there's no, you know, DTC is only going to get you to the point where you got to make a real hard decision. Success at DTC only creates new problems. Yeah, and I always thought I was going to be a software guy. I, I, yeah. I didn't, I didn't yeah. want to get That's why we, that was the other reason we were we didn't want to do the deal. How is this software? There couldn't be anything more hard about this. It's hardware and it's not really tech, but you are a tech company. We, we are. And I think that's because I was, it was because of my tech background that, that I think gave us a early edge. Because um, under, understanding tech and e-commerce how to SEO optimize websites, you know, all of that does help quite a bit. Uh, and, and having a, having a, a influence and was, was, I think, important in the early years. But I still think like the number one thing that you must think about is how to get just more people going direct and being subscribers. That's yeah, the ultimate goal. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think having a relationship with our customers directly uh, is, is, is always key. But as we as we continue to grow, you, you can't scale that infinitely. You're gonna have to work with retail partners. You're gonna have to treat them right. And it, it is hard. It's hard to yeah. treat retail right. I mean, yeah. retail is a double-edged sword. You you don't treat them right. You don't you don't have sell through, and uh, you're gone. Yeah, it's it's heartless, right? You can treat them really good if the product's not selling through. You're out. Yeah, you can't fault them for it. Right? Like, what are they gonna do? No, they're in the profit per second game. Yeah, they're economic players. Yeah. You, you can't sell. Doesn't help you, doesn't help them. So, a couple last things. Are there any brands, you know, for me, it was reading Phil Knight's book, um, Shoe Dog. Are there any brands that you look up to, or how do you get mentoring? How do you stay on top of your game? Two questions there. So, brands you looked up, and how do you, what do you, re- how do you stay on your marketing game? You know, I recently, I'm, I'm really fascinated by just luxury fashion. This, this yeah, me too, LVMH. You just look at the stock price and you go, uh, you know, I don't even use their, I don't, they don't even appeal to me. They're overpriced brands I don't even want to wear, but like you look at the price and you go, they're doing it right and everybody's going to have to start copying them. That, catering to that 1%, even if it's 20%. It's recession proof. It's so, I, I, find, I find that the psyche of that really interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, because, um, and so I've, I've just been studying them. What makes a brand iconic? Uh, and how does quiet luxury work in all of this? Because 20 years ago, LVMH wasn't as popular as it is now. You know, and these brands go uh, out and in and out of low. Uh, so I've, I've, been, I've been really sick. I, I admire Goyard and these luxury brands that have been relevant for decades. right? Because for you to be successful five, 10 years, and at this point, it's not that hard. But for you to be successful for five or 10 decades, uh, and how to build a brand and the infrastructure, the the mindset, the culture to to create a legacy multi-generational brand like that uh, is really interesting to me. Yeah, just the patience. I don't know the LVMH like closed a store for like 15 years, right? Like you got to have some, 
you know, balls, I guess you could say in French, le balls, to do that, right? Like just the patience to kind of stick to that kind of like, okay, we're just, we're going to go out there. It's great to hear that because, I mean, I'm super bullish on catering, even if it's not, even if it's a mass product to making people feel like, I don't know if anybody's done that with humor other than maybe say Larry David, kind of the LVMH of comedy where it feels sophisticated enough that if you don't get it, then you're just not in and, you know, so it's cool to see you thinking about it in that way, because that's how I think about it. Yeah, look, um, look, how, look how relevant Larry David is, how long he's been around. Yeah, like from failed stand-up comic to hated stand-up comedy to writer to, like, getting fired from Saturday Night Live, but always relevant for doing something weird and interesting to now people begging. You know, it's all the best actors get just bit parts now to, to stay relevant in his show, right? Yeah. From Vince Vaughn on down, you've got to... You've got to be part of the the elite just to get an appearance in his show. And it was just a ragtag cast of characters to start out. You, you, you watch his old shows and they're still hilarious. It's hilarious. Still connects. Yeah. And, 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 and uh, I listened to old interviews with Larry David and uh, Jerry Seinfeld. And you go, one, and Larry was so dark, you know, and I was always like the bebop happy guy. And you could see the tone change when Larry kind of quit year eight and, the show became more happy. Um, so it's really just fascinating. Go ahead, Ethan, you had a question. There's actually an old episode of Larry David where he hits a car and he leaves a note. Oh, he leaves a note? You I gotta don't. leave a note. <laughs> well, if I ever see that Rolls Royce again, I, I, I bumped a car that uh, Ethan caught me in a uh, Rolls Royce. But anyways, the uh, yeah, Larry David is one of the best. So authenticity and humor. I mean, the humor is going to be the hard part as you get into consumer. What is there anything funny about shampoo or you just is it just the ball stuff no that's that's the quality part okay that's the quality part well anyways we can find the product like walgreens target uh is there any way is there any retailers that you haven't gone into that you're thinking about or or different i could say there are no retailers that that we want to get into that we're not already talking to got it it's just planning and i mean i go to manscape.com there's all these packs that people can get so it's like you 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 figured out a way to like tie all these products together and create these packs. What, how do people like it? Do they like it like that? Getting these big packs? Yeah, it introduces some to the brand. It's the best value. The, the easiest way you go on Amazon, you type in Manscape, and you see you know, you see seventy two thousand five star reviews on our product. Oh, they must be pretty good because it's hard to foster seventy two thousand five star reviews. How do you measure sentiment? Speaking of that, Ethan chimed in here with that to me. Like, so is that what you mean by sentiment? The five-star reviews? The five-star reviews is one of them. We have, I don't know what it's called, it's, if it's exclusive anymore, it's, it's grown. We have this Facebook group called Ballers, Handscape Ballers. And so <laughs> you got to like, you got to apply to get into this group. And when we first, when we, when we first started, we're like, we just want really diehard customers because we wanted a base where of customers where we can reach out, have them test products and try new products and give us feedback. We were looking for like a couple hundred. How it is working grown to over 20,000 members. Wow. And, you know, people got to actually apply to get in this group. And once you're in this group on, on Facebook and we, we interact with them all the time and we get, you know, we get seek feedback from them. It's a, it's a great group. You guys are mainly San Diego, right? No, after the pandemic, where we're fully distributed, up in Las Vegas, 
you know, are. No, are I know you are. I, did, I thought still a lot of the team was in, in San Diego. Yeah, I, I'd say probably two thirds of the team is in, is in San Diego, but the team has not been so distributed. We're all over the country, all over the world uh, during the pandemic. We made a decision to hire just the best talent. They didn't have to be in San Diego. And then is there anything that, like a routine that you have? So obviously, you know, to be creative and be, and to think about product all the time, is there any specific routine you have? Obviously LVMH, you and I both fascinated by that, Nike probably. Um, Is there any kind of routine that you keep or certain people that you read? You know, lately I've been, as as we scale, I've I've been trying to think about how, um, how to be a better leader. You know, how, how, do, how do you scale a, because everyone talks about unicorn and that's yeah. an evaluation. Um, and that's, that's kind of false. And we all got caught up in it. Yeah. I, I, and for me, I never cared about the unicorn. I cared about getting to a billion in revenue. Right. And, you know, to get to a billion in revenue takes a different kind of leader. And I've, I've, been, I've been, you know, studying on that. I, I've been reading a great book called The Advantage by uh, Pat Nazioni. And so I, you know, do a lot of reading and, and it's, it's, all, it's all about self-growth. It is about self-growth because you and I, when we used to sit at the beginning, you know, when we had these discussions, you say, oh man, if this ever gets to be worth a couple hundred million, I'm out, right? Like you would say, <laughs> I'm out. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> and, and then those numbers came up and I'm like, so what are you going to do? Right? We had these discussions and you were like, I think we can get bigger. So you can evolve, you can change. Like for me, I'm, I'm out at 10 people. Right. And, but you, what was it that changed your mind? I, I grew up and I'm, I'm still an, an, an introvert, you know, and, and introverts, like, I don't like managing a lot of people. It's tiring managing, you know, personalities and, and, mm-hmm. and then, you know, making sure people are satisfied and, and, and happy. And years ago, I took it on as a challenge. I wanted to build a company with an amazing culture that would scale. And uh, I remember at 60, it was, it was still pretty easy to do that. I knew everyone, hugged out, like, yeah. I knew everyone, they were all friends. When you got to like about 150 to 200, it's hard to need everybody. It's hard to know everybody. But how do you make sure that the authenticity and the care, people need to feel like, like they're, they're wanted, they're appreciated. How do you make sure that your peers and your group of people that you work with feel like they're, they're, they're cared for? And I, I think it's, once again, it goes back to authenticity. Like I really do care about all of my teammates and every 215 of them. Well, it's an amazing story. It continues to evolve. You know, we were there, we passed, we did it, we didn't do it. Uh, we luckily did it. And you helped us, uh, you know, coached us through that. And then we talked about, you know, what's the number that would get you out? You passed on that. And you, like you said, it's it's just growth. You, you can't possibly know, but the hunger still lurks there for you. So I'm excited for you. You know, what a journey. It's only really seven years. And as you know, like Stockton's is 15 years. We're just getting started. There's all these different phases that you can go through. Well, Howard, I, I you know, delivering you 40X within five years wasn't enough. I, I just, we've got, we've got to go bigger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for us, what we've learned as VCs is like, these things take time, right? Like, when Phil Knight wrote that book, Shoe Dog, you know, I, I feel it was like a Bible that he handed down. Like he felt the turmoil amongst the uh, natives at Nike all fighting and the brand kind of losing its way. And then by telling the story of Nike, uh, even if it was a little bit, you know, uh, it just felt more like, a, a, you know, the Bible than it did like a brand story. 
Um, the company just hasn't looked back since then. So, you know, you have to evolve. Like, you know, these, these things take time. And social leverage is not in a rush. You know, once you've seen the end zone and a lot of your the people that represent your products have seen the end zone many times. Once you've seen the end zone, it's like, okay, let's really enjoy it the next time we get to the end zone, right? And that's where these dances came in and these elaborate dances. It's like, we know we're going to get there. And we don't know when, but we've got this bigger goal and we're going to do it. And there's things, there's no rush, right? And I think the last... 10 years kind of made it fun, unicorn. And now that that's been taken away, I think now we can go back into the drawing board and appreciate it. And that's where companies like yourself with marketing and, and focus on product and authenticity are going to matter. Because you can't build an LVMH in two years. No, no. Yep. If it really comes down to, I, I would, if there are other entrepreneurs listening, I, I'd say, don't focus on, you know, being a unicorn or getting there. Focus on, the true economics of your business. Get to profitability. Grow profitability. You know, look at what your peers are trading at. If you're, if you want to be a unicorn, there is there is an EBITDA multiple that guarantees you to be a unicorn. There you go. And focus on that. Yep. And the people that help you get there. All right, my man. I'm going to let you go. I know you're busy. This was fun. Uh, I'm sure we missed some stuff, but uh, we covered a lot of bases. And uh, all the best, and I'm excited for the new products. And uh, you know, we'll we'll talk soon. Thanks, Howard. I appreciate it. All right, talk to you soon. Talk soon. Jensen, Lindsen, Ethan, Howie. <laughs> so there you have it, Paul Trent. Fascinating story. We never go too deep into the details, like this. You know, a 300 million ish plus sales company with new products coming up to wazoo like uh like we said what do you call them Con uh well consumer products and the beer trimmer so there's so much like intricacies to this business you know and we never go too deep into that but you can see how complex it is and and he's grown as a you know from the days of you know waiting for a shipment to come over from china to fill some orders to you know, wants to be the LVMH, you know, kind of wants to think about being a high-end brand in this space. Pretty cool involvement. Right. And there's been exit opportunities along the way that he created for himself by just having that initial vision. He's had a, you know, he's decided to turn a lot of stuff down because he's evolved into a bigger idea. So very few people can do that. Um, but all the great companies do get offers along the way. Um, anyways, that was fun. Thanks, guys. This Thank is you. Panic with Friends. This is Howard and Canute. And you can search Panic with Friends or uh, are we still live, Canute? Yes, can, we are. You can search Panic with Friends or my name, Howard Linson, on the internet. And uh, you can go to Spotify, uh, the App Store, uh, YouTube, and uh, then subscribe to the podcast and you'll get one every week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Thanks, Canute. And we will see everybody next week. Howard Lindzen is the founder and general partner at Social Leverage. All opinions expressed by Howard and podcast guests are solely their own opinions and do not reflect the opinion of Social Leverage or StockTwits. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon for decisions. Guests may maintain positions and securities discussed in this podcast.